Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Hockey News Podcast. Welcome to the Hockey News Podcast, presented by McKenney and BetMGM. I'm Mike Stevens, sitting across from me is Ryan Kennedy. Ryan, how you doing? Pretty good. Let's do this podcast. Let's do it. Now, both you and I, we were, uh, we were at the Leafs game last night. We were Indeed. covering for thehockeynews.com, a great website with great articles that you should go check out, and video, you know? We're really branching out. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about that, but also, this is, uh, you know, we're, we're a week into the season. You know, like things are starting to materialize, and though yes, it's still a very early point in the year, it's a very small sample, I feel like we're starting to kind of understand some things about teams. We're starting to have a bit of a, I guess, a big enough sample where we can go, wow, this team's probably pretty bad, or wow, this team's probably pretty good. Um, so we have some, so, so we're going to go through some hot starts, some slow starts. You know, we're going to talk about some coaches that, that maybe could be fired, what the odds are, laugh at, laugh at Vegas, uh, not the team, but the odds makers, right. uh, because they're almost always wrong. Um, and then we're going to go mailbag, obviously, some rapid fire. You know how it goes. So uh, why don't we just hop right into that, into it, Ryan. Speaking of, uh, of hot starts, the Arizona Coyotes, um, they, uh, no, like, there's some really interesting hot starts we got out here. You know, like there, there, there. I feel like there haven't been too many like crazy surprises. True. Really, like there hasn't been like like I was expecting. I remember we talked about it. I think on our first podcast. Yeah. My low key like take was I feel like Arizona's gonna come out and like start like four and zero. Right. And everyone's gonna be like, oh, they got a chip on their shoulder. Yeah. They're playing in their like their small arena. Like this is a team that you know they're they're hungry and then they just collapse. Sure. Not the case. But teams like Carolina, Boston, and Dallas. They've come out roaring, come out firing. Who do we believe out of those? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, those are the teams that I, I kind of believe in their hot starts. Uh, Caroline is my Stanley Cup pick this year. Really? They are. Have I not said that officially? You have, you have not said that, at least to me. You've Maybe not, not on the that. podcast. No, no. I, I believe, as, as long as Frederick Anderson can stay healthy and, um, and be a good playoff goaltender, mm-hmm. he doesn't need to be, have to be great because obviously they have a, a very potent lineup in front of him. <clears throat> But he's got to be at least good. So as long as he can do two things he's never done before. Yes. Then, the, okay, exactly. you got it. You got yeah. it. All right. Big X factor, I know. Or maybe Peter Kachetkov turns into their Matt Murray hey, ally Auntie Pittsburgh. Ranta. Maybe Auntie Ronda. Who knows? Um, but they've got options. Yes. But everything else I like about Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, so their hot start, it's, it's not surprising, but it is kind of like reaffirming. You mm-hmm. know, you look at that. Uh, Metropolitan Division, and again, it's early. Everybody's played about three games yes. on average. But you know, you look at the top of the table. It's Carolina. It's the New York Rangers. Mm-hmm. Those are the top two teams. So you know, for Carolina, it's just good to see them get off to that start that we expected because I think there is expectations there. Certainly, there are internal expectations. You know, I, I spoke to Jordan Stahl over the summer, and he was saying, "Look, you know, the bar is high." and you know, you, you can't get, you can't set the bar any higher than the Stanley Cup. No. But you know, that's what we're shooting for, and and you know, so they have faith in that that room. 
Um, so it's, it's good to see them get off to that start with the knowledge that we're not even going to see Max Pacioretty play for Carolina until the second half of the season. Yeah. So that's like a free trade deadline acquisition, especially because mm -hmm. they got him for future considerations. Um, unless that future consideration turns to be a first-round draft pick, but that's not how those trades work, so yes. there's no worry there. Um, but I want to talk about Boston mm -hmm. because the Bruins were a team that coming into the season, to me they were a big X factor because of injuries. Yes. No Brad Marchand, no Charlie McAvoy to start the campaign. Mm -hmm. So in that division where we knew Florida, Tampa, Toronto were probably going to be very good, but we also knew that Detroit, Ottawa, Buffalo – we're looking to hit that next level. Yes. And I, you know, I mean, Montreal wants to hit that next level too. I just think but they have they're a steeper not, they're mountain not, to climb. They're not there yet. Like, I don't we, there, yeah. And I think they know that too. I think know? so too. Yeah. Um, but Boston, that they were kind of like mm -hmm. the, the, the swing vote, if you will, because yeah. they've been one of the best teams in the division for five, maybe even 10 years now mm -hmm. because they have such great consistency. But we know they're getting older and they don't necessarily have the pipeline to replenish. Yeah. But what I like is that Boston is off to a hot start. Mm -hmm. David Pasternak clicking on all cylinders. Obviously, they needed that. Patrice Bergeron, point-to-game guy. This is a player we weren't even sure if he was going to play this year or if yeah. he would retire. So, obviously, he's good to go there. But what I like the most, so Brad Marchand, you're missing him on the wing. A.J. Greer yeah. gets super hot. The power forward originally drafted by the Colorado Avalanche. Um he could sort of come out, come out of nowhere, put his stamp on uh, a place in the lineup early on. No Charlie McAvoy, who can get you not only big minutes, but points from the blue line. Connor Clifton steps up. I think he has four points already for mm -hmm. them. So it's that Bruins mentality of, you know, they have that great culture. I've talked about this before. That next man up mentality. We've mm -hmm. seen it with the Pittsburgh Penguins yes. as well when they've had injury problems, but... Guys like Greer and Clifton taking on bigger roles and, and producing early, that's exactly what they needed while McAvoy and Marshawn are out. So for me, this is very affirming for the Bruins to say, okay, you know, they got a new coach in Jim Montgomery, mm -hmm. uh, uh, who was very good you know, when he was uh, in Dallas. It feels like everything's going in the positive direction mm -hmm. when it certainly could have gone in a negative direction. Jeremy Swayman's playing great too, like, th like that's a that's a big X factor. Well, Linus Allmark's playing even better. Exactly, yeah. and you can tell they both really like each other. They hug each other after every game, no it's matter important. no matter who's starting. It's like you're right. This next man up mentality is extremely important uh, uh, for teams. And with Boston, I feel like that's you know that's more important than than ever. You know, like Dave. David Krejci, for example, he was, Holy. you know, he was out, he had a three-point debut. Like, it's, like, this is a guy who, yes, he played forever for the Bruins, but, like, he played a year overseas, came back, it was like he never missed a beat. Like, it's Holy. just completely went back in. Another hot start I want to talk about is Vegas. Yes. 3-0. Yeah. This is a team that, uh, you know, they're not necessarily a swing vote, but they were a team that could go either direction. Totally. Like, I really had them in the, I wrote about them a bit in the summer uh, on multiple occasions, but mainly with Jack Eichel uh, in mind, but... You know, they, they could go either way because they, they, were, they are a relatively top-heavy team. Like, if you look at just based on how their cap situation is, has played out, they aren't that, you know, four-line deep, crazy, you know, sort of they have all these, these players 
kind of team. I know that's a weird way of saying that, but like they're they're not this they're not like they're not four lines deep anymore. Right. Like they used to be. Yeah. Uh, but now they have they have an eleven million dollar or ten point five million dollar cap hit in Jack Jack uh, Eichel and Mark Stone and their their cap situation is crazy as we know. But they've been playing extremely well. I feel like them getting Nick Hague, not even just in the lineup, but like under contract before the season, was extremely important just for the overall like vibe around that team. Sure. Like you never, we've seen it with with all these different teams. Like they, it never works out well when there's a holdout going into the season. Yeah. It's it's, it's always lingering over the team. There's always something. It's like you never want a black cloud hanging mm. over you. You know. Yeah. Um, I think they're doing great. Like I think you know Petrangelo's looked really good. I think Jack Eichel's looked really good. Mark Stone is 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 Mark Stone again. You know, like everything is going well for them. And Vegas, I mean, they need like they they need to be a, a powerhouse based on how their salary structure is, based on the expectations of that team, and based on how they treat their players. Really, like if you want to be if you want to treat players with like the new like the Belichick Brady New England Patriots like you know callousness, like where it's just. You know, you like there's you you're late for a meeting, you get cut, you know that kind of thing. Or in this case, you make like a million dollars more than you probably should, you get cut in a way. Like you need to be successful to back that up, or else yeah. no one is going to go to your team in the future. So far, three and zero. Oh, they have a ten, they have you know a ten goal. They have a plus five goal differential, ten goals for five against. I think they're playing extremely well. Logan Thompson's looked really good too. And yeah. Aiden Hill. Yeah, and that's the key, right? Yeah. Like coming into the season, you know, with Robin Lehner being out, it was like, ooh, okay, well now they're on to kind of plan mm -hmm. B, C, D. Um, will that be their downfall? So far it has not. No. And that is so crucial. It's been a strength, if anything. Exactly, because as we know, they have weapons, uh, as you mentioned. And then, you know, sticking in the West, we mentioned Dallas. Here's a team yeah. where because they're in that tough central division, you really can't give up any ground early on. And, you know, Jake Ottinger, cover of our next issue, which is just coming mm -hmm. out on newsstands now, our, our goalie issue. You know, Jake Ottinger has to be big for them, and he has been so oh, far. Yeah. New coach in Peter DeBoer. How would that affect things? Because obviously they had Rick Bonus, who was so good at that grinding defensive structure where, you know, yeah, not the most exciting, but it yeah. won them a lot of playoff games. It got them to a cup final. It got them to a cup final. There you go. So, you know, Peter DeBoer brings a different vibe there. You know, how would that work? Uh, also, you have this lineup where you've got those veterans who have been there a long mm -hmm. time, the Pavelskis, the Sagans, the Bens, but you have this new generation led by Jason Robertson mm -hmm. uh, really starting to take over. Wyatt Johnston coming in. This is a kid that... A wholesome king, by the way. Like, did yeah. you see with his parents oh, in the crowd? Oh, so like, good. I love that. The little, like... Uh, oh, the, the like, yeah. hey, mom. Uh, uh, oh, amazing. Yeah. Huge. This is a kid that absolutely ruled the OHL last year with the Windsor Spitfires. Mm -hmm. He was a player that during his draft year, and keep in mind this is the pandemic year where there was no OHL season. Yeah. So for scouts, they only really had, you know, what they already knew about the kids, which wasn't much. Yeah and the world under 18s. Mm -hmm. I had scouts say to me, I don't want to say too much good about Wyatt Johnston because I want our team to take him. <laughs> I don't want him to be seen as a first rounder. I want us to be able to get him, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so Dallas gets him, obviously, uh, great return so far. And who knows, it's early. You know, I mean, he could still get sent back to Windsor in the OHL, uh, depending on how things go. You know, you do the nine game trial. But early that nine game trial to start up, like, like that's extremely important. It certainly is. Like you don't get handed that, you know? You cer and certainly with Dallas, that also had Maverick Bork and Logan Stankoven exactly. as top-end prospects, they're dealing from a position of strength here, and that's so important for the Stars mm -hmm. because guys do have to earn those spots. So good for Wyatt Johnston for making the team out of camp. Now his next goal, obviously, is to stick around, and if he can do that, 
obviously it benefits mm -hmm. Dallas. You're right. I, I wrote about Dallas. It's funny. I wrote about how they're an extremely top-heavy team. I, um, right before the season, I'm like, what are these guys? Like, mm -hmm. they, like literally the, the, question, the, the headline of the piece was, what are the Dallas Stars? Mm -hmm. Because, like, they just... They, they have very good, I would say, roster pillars. Mm -hmm. Like, they have Robertson... Uh, it, you know, at that forward, at the forward spot, who's holding it down? He's a point per game guy, and he's only 22. He's, you think he's going to get better? Yeah. He scored 40 goals last year on a team that was like designed not to score offense or right. not to produce offense. That's amazing. Yeah. You got Heiskinen on, yes. the, on the blue line, incredible player. He's locked in forever now. He's going to be that. He's going to be the guy that they build the blue line around. Like you know, he had those fixtures, and then you have Ottinger and Net, mm. who yes, it's a relatively like you know short term contract for him considering, but like he still you know he proved he he's the reason why they they almost bounce Calgary basically totally he, if you look at the shot totals in that series it's ludicrous he kept them in that in that and also gave them solid goaltending for the first time since like maybe the first year of Ben Bishop but also like then maybe I guess Marty Turco like like a long time ago yeah um but this is a, this is a team where because I and I, I used the main quote from their owner remember when Gagliardi went on the Cam and Stewart <coughs> podcast in the summer and yeah. said the guys who score too much or not too much. The guys who score a lot are getting too big a piece of the pie mm. in terms of salary. And I went, that's one of the most absurd things I've ever heard. But like, then I looked at the way that the rosters construct them. Like, we've got a lot of those. They've got a lot of those veterans um, that don't score a lot, but make like a somewhat weird amount of money. Yeah. That you know, they've they've got a ton of them, and yet. Like, look at the team now. Like, they're three and zero. They seem to be gelling extremely well. Um, they seem to be buying into DeBoer, whatever DeBoer is is, is telling them. Mm. And I talked I talked with the risk factor of this guy because he's he was so unproven and he was he had some injuries and all that. But gosh darn it, Mason Marchment. Once again, this guy is a stud. Like. I watched this. Uh, like I watched the first ever professional game this guy played. I watched. I watched him because I was covering the Marlies during that Cup run, uh, the Calder Cup run. I saw him at his most raw. Mm. And if I can go back in my notes app to like 2017 rookie tournament, I remember. You know, when I was taking notes of this game, was Mar I, the the first one I ever made was Marchman has no idea what he's doing out there. <laughs> he looked like Bambi on ice. Like uh, remember in, in the movie Bambi when when Bambi goes on ice and doesn't know how to do anything. Yeah. He's just this tall, lanky dude. You can tell there's some skill there, but he had no clue what he was doing. Mm. And fast forward now, like this is like I, I and I wrote a, a magazine piece about him. Um, in the offseason, he was like, Barb Underhill's the reason why I'm in the NHL. And, right. th and if you look at the insane breakaway goal that he scored, uh, where he ba basically dangled through like three of the five um, predators who were on the ice, like, he's got speed. He's a big guy who went from being a, who went from skating being the biggest detriment to his game, something mm. that would have hold, held him out potentially even the AHL, right. let alone the NHL, to it being like somewhat of a strength. Like this is, this is a really, really exciting player. Yeah. He, he gives, the, he, he seems to give them everything Dallas likes in a player. Yeah. Like he's big, he's, you know, he's, he's fast, he can, he can score. He's almost like, um, like Jordy Ben before the injuries in a way. Jamie Ben. Jamie Ben, yeah. Jordy Ben, that would be an insult. Like, <laughs> but no, he's almost like Jamie Ben. I've made that mistake, by the way, like five times tweeting. Uh, like, fair. Yeah, I'm I'm so sorry, but no, he's he's played fantastic. Yeah. This is a really intriguing team. They've allowed three goals on the year. Dallas Stars hockey. Look at that, man. Clearly, they can uh, they can keep what they learned under bonus, and they've uh, they've evolved yeah. under DeBoer. So anyone who was who was giving me giving me flack for being too hard on the Dallas Stars in that column, there you go. That's for you. Um, all right, let's talk about some slow starts. Who's in trouble? Um, the first one I would guess would be Columbus. 
Yeah, and this one's unfortunate because, I mean, part of the reason is they've lost Patrick Laine uh, for, was it three to four weeks? Uh, yes, three to four weeks. Yeah. Not great. It's just an awkward looking play. It looked kind of harmless at the time, but obviously. They got like 10 minutes of Laine. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you know, expectations were, I don't know how high they were, but certainly we thought the Blue Jackets would be at least kind of scrappy this year because obviously Johnny Gaudreau uh, joins them. And, and now it's like, ah, okay, a slow start. We're in a hard division. Yes. Can we make it up? You know, do we have the goaltending to cover up for, uh, you know, losing a huge pillar of the offense in Patrick Laine? And obviously it's going to put more pressure on Johnny Gaudreau. You know, they're going to need uh, players like Cole Sillinger and Boone Jenner and Igor Chinikov uh, to step up. You know, what is this lineup going to look like without line A? Can they get, can they generate enough to keep up and to start getting those wins? Because, again, you can't fall too far behind early no. on because the mountain just gets too hard to climb. And again, I, I think I said this a, a week or two ago on the podcast from Matt Barzell talking about the Islanders and the, the terrible start they got off to last year, where once you're behind, it just feels like every loss is just a dagger. Yeah. So, again, it's only been a week, but, you know, Columbus, they got to turn around fast mm -hmm. because if they don't, then that, that mountain's just going to become too hard to climb. I know. I, I think it's, uh, I think Elliot Friedman kind of coined it where if you look at the numbers of the teams who are out of playoff positions by American Thanksgiving, right. like, it's, it's not great. But I yeah. think it's like, tw like only 20% of them end up actually making it. And look, that's not that far away. Like, sure. like, yeah, it's the first week of the season, but there's a reason why every game counts. You know, mm -hmm. you got to you gotta get in there. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a bummer with Columbus. Like, they had, everyone was so excited about to see the fact that Line A and Goudreau were on the same line. Yeah. And then they got maybe 10 minutes of Patrick Line A, and then he left. It, it, bit of, a bit of a, a, you know, rough break there. Yeah. Another one um, is Vancouver. And yeah. we're going to bleed this into our, uh, after a bit, um, our first coach fired segment here mm -hmm. because hearing some things but this is a this could not be more of a disastrous start for the Canucks you know what I I feel like uh you know Charlie Brown and Lucy with the football with the Canucks because yeah. I mean I feel for like four or five years now I've looked at that lineup and you go Patterson Horvat Besser you know and then Quinn Hughes the past couple of years Thatcher Demko and Nett mm -hmm. I was like man I really like this team but it hasn't come together. The defense hasn't come together. Um, you know, obviously they need some more weapons back there to help out. Um, the, the depth just hasn't come through. It's a team that I feel has a lot of potential, but for whatever reason, they haven't found their groove. And, you know, again, in, in their division, I think... There's still some wiggle room because you do have mm. some more rebuilding teams yes. like the Ducks, like the Sharks. Um, but, but, I mean, honestly, not that much, you know, because the Kings have been better than it's and expected. And Calgary and Vegas. Calgary, Vegas. <laughs> Edmonton. Yeah, like Calgary and Edmonton, we know they're going to be good, so you don't yep. really worry about them. But if you're Vancouver, I think you kind of say, like, oh, like we've, we're in a window here where we got to start making noise. And... Those tough starts, they just, they're just not helping. And for whatever reason, it's just, it's not all lining up for them. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's like, why do I keep believing that the Canucks are going to pull it all together and all that talent's going to become a cohesive unit? 
because it hasn't happened yet, but it feels like it should. On paper, I feel they're better. And maybe, I mean, maybe I'm just too much of a believer in certain players, but um, yeah, it just it has, hasn't come together. I, like, I've never been that high on that, that group of talent. Like, I think mm. Pedersen looked like he was gonna be this, like, transcendent level star. Mm. And he's been, like, this 60, maybe 70 point sort of pace guy the last couple of years. Yeah. Hasn't really done too, like, hasn't really hit that next level. Hughes is obviously gonna be a star. Um, and he is currently a star. Uh, uh, and then, but, like, for it, think about it. This team has zero dollars in cap space. Like, yeah. we, we talked about it. Like, this is a team that has done literally everything they can to maximize their, their financial might. Um, they, this, and when you have zero dollars in cap space, you are supposed to be one of the best teams in the league. Yeah. And you look at that roster and you go, this is not one of the best rosters in the league. Their blue line is, is like a mess, you know? Yeah. Like, it really is. And, like, you know, even they, they, it's a mess to the point where they had to go out and give away basically Jason Dickinson to get uh, Riley Stillman, who's a very improving guy, mm. who's a left shot too, which is not what they needed. Um, so it just, you know, and, and they might have to force him to play the right side. Like, it's... What another thing too is that the vibe and, and you know this is my you know like my my uh, my Gen Z take if you right. will. the vibes just do not seem to be good in in, in, uh, in Vancouver. Yeah. JT Miller was one of, had one of the most candid quotes essentially I saw after a loss where he's like it was after two games. Yes. Uh, th- before they blew their third uh, multi goal lead, yeah. uh, they'd only blown two at that point, <laughs> and he was and he was like, who am I to sit here and talk about? Uh, like who am I to sit here and, and 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 talk about what we could do better? I was on for all eight goals against. Yeah. Like, like I have no right to sit here. Like that when you're when you're quote like when you're somewhat captain basically is saying yeah. that. Like and a guy that got heart trophy consideration yes. last year. And a guy who we have we have uh, like I know he's not the actual captain Horvat is, but mm. like there were rumblings last year of you know somewhat of a leadership struggle between Horvat and Miller, like where you know like like some you know bit of a bit of a split locker room in that sense. Um, but when a guy when a de facto leader of the team is saying that, that's that's rough. And then. Yeah. Like it just, Elliot Freeman came out with a quote the other day where, where it was, you know, he's wondering um, and he, other people have been talking about whether or not the coaching staff and the front office are on the same page, mm. you know? And it, some of the moves and some of the, and even just the fact that it took so long for Boudreaux to get brought back. Like, remember how weird it was? Yeah. All that, like all, there was such a weird discourse from the front office about the coaching situation, about whether or not they were gonna bring Boudreaux back. And it seemed like, it was almost like they were twisting their arm to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it just doesn't seem like that partnership is working really well. This is a this is a flawed team. Like it's all it always has been. Yeah. Thatcher Demko can only bring you so far. You, they they almost are like um, like what I was saying with Dallas, where they have good foundational pieces at mm-hmm. each piece of the roster, but they also have a lot of those like veterans who who don't score a lot, who are making like. Curtis Lazar is on like a four-year contract, making like one million dollars a year. Like it doesn't make any sense. Um, they're a flawed team, and I think we're seeing their flaws. They're not going to blow a multi-goal lead in every game of the season like they have so far. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. But some but, games they will just give up the first goal. Exactly. Exactly, Ryan. Yeah. Some games they'll get shut out. That's right. Who knows? Yeah. But it just it doesn't seem like things are gelling there very well. And this is a team that needs success right now. Like yeah. they they have like I said zero dollars in cap space. Yeah. Not and. That's going to fold us into our, uh, our our coaching conversation here because you know first week of the season teams are starting hot teams are starting slow you know it, it's it, it leads to a lot of sort of I guess over overreactions um, uh, to certain situations and a lot of that falls on coaches you know we've already heard like and, and we're going to get into this guy we've already heard during his his opening uh, you know announcement for Lindy Ruff get booed 
in his own building. Yeah. Um, and right now, I believe he is the uh, he is the third most likely coach to get fired. So I have the Vegas odds brought up here. Okay. Um, I want to talk first of all. I want to go through some of the coaches that we think could be the, either the first fired or some that that are really coming down the pike. Yeah. And I want to compare that to these Vegas. Okay. These Vegas odds because they are, are a little ridiculous. But um, Ryan, why don't you start us off? Yeah, I mean, for me, Lindy Ruff is the most obvious candidate here mm-hmm. because New Jersey wants to take the next step. Yes. Obviously, they've been rebuilding for years now, and they want to be competitive in that division. Um, you know, very interesting. Uh, Greg Wyshynski from ESPN had this on Twitter the other day that the expected goals against for New Jersey's goaltenders actually is pretty decent, mm-hmm. but the actual goals against yeah. is terrible. And you know, last year the Devils had tons of problems with goaltending because of injuries and you know because of consistency you know they bring in Vitek Vanacek uh who has been you know pretty decent uh, in his NHL career yeah. uh especially like in Washington he was the better of their two goaltenders mm. when they had Ilya Samsonov um and then obviously Mackenzie Blackwood is is back now um but you know if the goaltenders are giving up more goals than expected, you know, maybe that's on the goaltenders, maybe that's on the system in front of them. Mm -hmm. And that is where Lindy Ruff gets in trouble because obviously he is the one that sets the table there as the head coach. So I think that if New Jersey continues to struggle early, um, he would be an, an obvious kind of fall guy. I also have to point out, however, what will it take for Nico Heischer and Jack Hughes to be healthy at the same time? This is like the most maddening thing. And I'm sure GM Tom Fitzgerald has the same thought as me, where it's like, can we just see these guys play at the same time so we can actually get the full Devils experience? Uh, it's just unfortunate that they've had, you know, Maybe don't injuries. name your team after Satan. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Technically... They're named after a different devil, but I'm not oh, going to go in. Oh, okay. There's, there's right. a mythical New Jersey devil that lives in the Pine Barrens. Are you? As, as a Sopranos fan, I'm sure you're uh, I, excited I, they about They didn't run it. Like, all I saw was the best episode of The Sopranos ever, the Pine Barrens episode. Right. They never run into the New Jersey devil. They don't. They run into they run into I'm a sure. Chechen guy who, yeah. uh, you know, crazy stuff. Yeah. Great show. Watch it. Anyway, yeah. continue, Ryan. But I digress. Um, <laughs> anyway, so. He's yeah. talking here. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Um, anyways. Um, yeah, so Lindy Ruff is kind of an obvious candidate yes. right now because that's a team that needs to start going in the right direction and fast. Yes. And if defense and structure is a problem, then and it sure is. An obvious, and it sure is. That's an obvious, uh, at least temporary fix. Yes. Um, you know, Ryan, you're 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 my boss, so you you would know. Uh, you can confirm this that my job is to cover hockey. You yes. know, my job is to know Fact. things about hockey, um, and and I constantly have to remind myself that Lindsey Ruff is the coach in New Jersey. I can't. He is. He he just seems like a coach who uh, is not really employed in the NHL these days, or at least my brain doesn't want to compute that he is currently employed in the modern NHL. He just doesn't mm-hmm. seem like a coach that would gel there, and he it's like I likely won't have to do that for the next little, like it, it, very soon. Um, he just doesn't seem to be the guy. And I will say that when he was hired, I, I know some people were like, "Why would they bring Lindy Ruff back? He's you know he, he's been he's a veteran coach, blah blah blah." But I didn't mind it because at the time you wanted to bring in some some structure and a you know a, a voice with some gravitas mm-hmm. because you were going through this transitional phase. You're bringing in a lot of young guys, so I didn't mind it at the time. Yeah. If it had worked out, then it would have looked like a masterstroke. But again, you know they've had a lot of different problems, whether it's 
injuries to their top guys or injuries to goaltenders. Um, but it does get to the point where you have to say, look, we can't do this forever. Yeah, he's a transitional coach. He's yeah. a, like, he is, uh, to, to put it in royal terms, he's the sandwich king, you know, where, uh. where uh, Prince Charles is not going to be king for very long. So, mm. or I guess he's King Charles now. He's not going to be king for very long, so they call him a sandwich king because he's, he's in between the long reign of one and the long reign of the other, but he's right in the middle there. And I feel like that's what Lindy Ruff is because he seems to be a guy who, like you said, he was a strong presence. He could instill somewhat of a culture. He had some respect totally. uh, with young players. And you can get them and, and get them sort of over, or at least up to the top of that rebuilding hill. Mm-hmm. But, I don't think he, but I don't think anyone, and I think probably Devil's ownership too, thought you know, maybe he had the might to get them over that hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, there have been things that have gone in the way. COVID, injuries, all that. But look, this is professional, this is professional sports. Like, things sure. happen, man. Like, it's yeah. Like, like you can't you can't rest on those laurels, and it just seems like they need a, a better, more progressive, like in terms of a hockey sense, progressive young voice in there, mm-hmm. um, because they have a lot of young guys. They have a lot of guys with skill, a lot of guys who who are are pretty dynamic. Um, you know, like Dougie Hamilton is is a defenseman who yeah, he's fantastic, but he he operates on moving the puck, on you know jumping in the rush. You know that you have Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer and Jesper Brat and and uh, Sharon Govich and guys mm-hmm. like that. Like you have a good core, but you'd like them to be more use, utilized better. Lindy Ruff is not really going to be the guy who's going to have this high flying offensive system. Yeah. Bring in someone new, um, so he's he's there. There, look, I like. I, I've just been hearing rumblings mm. that, um, that Bruce Boudreaux is not going great uh, right. in Vancouver. Um, you know, like it's that it's not, uh, and this is, and, and you know, the, it, that, like I said, Elliot Friedman's report that, um, you know, there's a bit of a disconnect between the front office and the coaching staff is a bit, it's, it's, it's accurate, mm. I would say, or at least somewhat accurate. Um, and I wonder, you know, yes, they just brought him back. It's four games in the season. Mm-hmm. Players really seem to like him, but, like, the vibe's really bad in there. We've talked about it. There's a lot of pressure on the Canucks this year. I don't, I, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that, you know, it, uh, that if this keeps going on, mm-hmm. Boudreaux could be, uh, could be out. He's only on a two-year deal. Yeah. And, and he's got a one-year option, too, at the end of this one. Yeah, and it's, it's a tough situation because you have Patrick Alvin coming in as a, a – fairly new GM. Yes. Um, and, you know, obviously before Boudreaux, they had Travis Green for quite a while. And at that time, it was like, yeah, a change needs to be made. It's not, it's not that, happening. That was inhumane. Green. Like that, that, yeah. that situation at the end of it, like if you looked at him, yeah. like, look, like I, I wish we could pull up a picture of Travis Green in his last presser. That mm-hmm. man just needed a nap. Totally. Like, oh my, like yeah. you, you've, you've had children before. You know what it's like to be extremely overtired. Like totally. that man looked like he was dealing with 23 newborn infants. There you go. In his locker room. Yeah, and it was just totally. not great. Yeah, so I, and you know, it's not ideal to keep changing coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if you need a fresh start and, you know, and, and again, you know, Patrick Alvin, you know, he's going to want to sort of put his stamp on this organization. It's, it's still a process because they have so many contracts mm-hmm. um, already. But that might be an option where you kind of have to press the panic button and say, like, we, we, we can't continue on this path because it will be ruinous for us. But at a certain point, like, and, and it's easy to relate this to the Leafs because this is just the team that I've been around and covering forever, but there was a time a long time ago, um, yeah, I believe 2013, where Brandon Shanahan took over the team. And, for, and you know, this was 
like the uh, it was just a, a, a terrible season. You know, like it was after the Leafs had had uh, had had basically blown the you know it was four one game. Right. And it was going well for the first little bit, but then they just tanked the rest of the season. It was bad. Brendan Shanahan comes in. Uh, Randy Carlisle is the is the coach. Um, and instead of firing Carlisle, like like everyone thought he would come in and clean house, he extended him for one year. Mm. Um, and the the reason why he did that was because he wanted to install instill it to the players that like this is not like like this is on you. Mm-hmm. Like we're not just going to make a coach a scapegoat because you can't get it done yeah. and and leave you off the hook. You know you like we're in, we're reinstalling this guy because you as the players you're going to make this work. They didn't obviously, <laughs> but but I like that. At the time, you know, me being like 15, 16 years old, I was furious by yeah. it. just green with rage. But at that point, but but after that, I thought, you know, now that in my in my wise adulthood, I go, mm-hmm. oh, that's a really good point, and I, I like that mentality. And I think that's kind of what would happen um, with firing Boudreaux here, in that like you already canned uh, Travis Green at like the lowest point of the season last yeah. year, and you brought in a guy who was you know the happy-go-lucky, everyone loves him, he's meme central, man. Like we can just make memes out of this guy day in and day. And day out, and and the the team really started to like him. They challenged for a playoff spot at the end of the year, and then like what five, six, seven games into the season, it's not going great. The team is blowing leads. Everything doesn't seem great. You're just gonna punt him out of the building. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a great message to send. I think that not only do I think Boudreaux is a good coach, yeah. but I just don't think that that's an ideal message to send to a team that is like trying to get over this hump. Like, oh well, it didn't work. So so we're also now now we're just going to shuttle this guy in. And then what's going to if they go on another losing streak, you know, like next season, are they just going to expect that the co- that they're going to get a new coach after yeah. that? No. Um, but if you look at the Vegas odds here, because you know, like this is this is. They have to be evidence or influenced by something. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're just operating on our knowledge. They, these have to be evidenced by something. The number one is Sheldon Keith. He opened the se- he opened the season plus six fifty mm-hmm. um, to get fired. That's just not going to happen. No, I think he only gets fired if they lose in the first round again. Yes, uh, or like he only gets fired if they're if they're if this team is like in the basement midway through the season. Yeah, but like the Leafs, like this is too good of a team to do that. Yeah. Um, the second one, though, is one that's very interesting. It's Dave Haxall. He's at 700. Yes. Plus 700. He is there, and, and just from people I know in Seattle as fans, they're not very happy about what he's doing with Shane Wright. Uh-huh. Um, Seattle is one and two to start the year, despite the fact that they, had a, they have an improved roster and they have two young cornerstone who could be potentially superstars leaving their team and mm-hmm. um, you know more reworked blue line, uh, goaltending that seems to be a bit better, and yet... People are really pointing in on Dave Hackstall as a coach, and and I'm hearing a lot of why do he, why does he keep getting chances? Why does he mm. keep getting getting brought into these teams when every single time it ends the same way? Yeah, so it's interesting because I was thinking about Dave Hackstall, but here's my take. Okay, I think he gets fired at the end of the season. Okay, that makes sense because you have a very new team here. It's still. Um, you know, everybody's really still getting to know each other. Yeah. There was a lot of turnover in the summer, and it was good turnover, you know, bringing yes. in Oliver Bjorkstrand, for example. Just a great trade, man. Just a Yeah, great exactly. Trade. Just taking advantage yeah. of cap situations. And, you know, I think Ron Francis had a huge summer. Ron Francis had the summer this year that people thought he was going to have the year before. That's a great point. Yeah, so people were upset at the time, but it's like he was playing the long game. He Justin got it done. Schultz, even. Yeah, Justin Schultz, a nice little pickup. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as you mentioned, Matty Beneers and Shane Wright, they are the future. Matty Beneers is already looking like the present, for that matter. He is good. Um, so you don't want to get into a situation where these players have too many coaches early on in their careers. 
Yes. So I think what you see is Dave Haxtell plays out the string this year. <laughs> hey, if Seattle gets Connor Bedard, is that the worst thing in the world? That would no. almost be the best thing to happen. I'd exactly. Say. Uh, or, you know, failing that, if they got Adam Fantilli. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if they would wait for Mattia Mitchkoff no. based on his contract. Um, but it's coming you know, over in what, 26? 2026. That's yeah. too long. That's too long. But Adam Fantilli, you can have him next year, Braden Yeager, guys like that. There's, it's a really good draft class. Oh, yeah. Right? So Seattle getting another top five pick, not the worst thing in the world. Uh, so I think they hold on to Dave Haxtell until the summer. Then you move on to somebody new that brings in their own structure, their own culture, and you've already got pieces for them to play with. Yes. Uh, where Beneers and Wright, you know, they've, they've seen a full NHL campaign mm-hmm. each or close to it. And you, you sort of start clean in the summer and say, okay, now let's start moving. Try to be competitive. Try to go for a playoff spot. Now I'm going to plead, because I can already see the, the conversation swirling, that it is not Rick Tockett who comes in after this. I don't get the hype around Rick Tockett as a coaching prospect, mm-hmm. and yet every open job, he always seems to make it to the final round of candidates. So that's just off topic, but please, someone more interesting. Um, than that. Someone new? Someone new, someone fun. But, so, but they're also like, I'm just going to rip through some of these, but like, for example, Lindy Ruff is number three. Dallas Eakins is number four, plus 800. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we have Peter Laviolette at plus 900. It feels like there'd be a lot of turnover there recently in, in Washington, too. Mm-hmm. How high are the expectations for the Capitals? I mean, yes, they want to win. They just signed Darcy Kemper and all that, but this is a remarkably old team. Then we have yeah. Don Granado in Buffalo, who no. just got a two-year extension, no. who, and, and I, I remember tweeting this last year, but, like, I didn't understand the, the, the reason, like, the Don Granado internal, internal promotion and then, um, and then putting him in the, in the role of coach midway through the season. I thought, like, why not go and get someone new? And then he came to Toronto, and he did literally, like, one media availability. I'm like, I get it. Yeah. This is the guy. This yeah. is the guy to stabilize the situation. I yeah, Don Granado could be, like, the coach for the next decade of oh, Buffalo. Oh, and I would be totally fine with it. Like, he's exactly what that franchise needed after Ron Kruger. He is, he's just Italian enough to work, like, to, to fit that sort of, like, Western New York. But also, he's just got this calmness to him. Yeah. This, like, this, like, yeah, you know, we're still building, but we're going to get there. It's this quiet confidence mm. that you can just, it, it radiates off him. Yeah. Then we got Rod Brindamore after no. that, right? Brad Larson in Columbus, yeah, I can see that. Jay Woodcroft, who just got extended. Mm. Like, like these are, these are extreme, like, and for example... The the uh, the fourth last guy on this list is Bruce Boudreaux, you know, wow. who at, at plus sixty six hundred, and then obviously the number one uh, the number one least likely coach to get fired is John Cooper at plus ten thousand. But uh, so I would not recommend putting any money on that. Um, but it's uh, like there there could be some extremely. I feel like the the. The, the attention span for coaches, maybe, um, mm-hmm. from, from an ownership perspective, has definitely gone down. Like, yes. I feel like they're far more likely to just be like, all right, not working, let's try something new, you know? Yeah. There's less, like, uh, less impetus to, to ride it out. Mm. So there could be some very interesting uh, interesting stuff going on. Now, yeah. let's talk briefly about the Arizona Coyotes. I yes. Think. Because, you know, you and I, we watched this game. It was one of the more ridiculous hockey games uh, it was very I've fun. seen. It was fun. It was fun because it went from being like just this this slog, and mm. then, and then at a certain point, I think our brains 
like we're we're numb to the slog and it's switched into fun. Totally. It's like watching a bad like a movie that's so bad it's good in the sense yeah. like where you go like really they they like put money and time and like they assembled a crew and this is being filmed and then it's yeah. like oh let's just laugh at the fun. Yeah. And, and it, it was. And, and I got roasted a bit on Twitter last night, even though I, I wasn't intending for it to be sort of like, a, the Leafs are definitely going to beat this team because I had it in, in the subsequent tweet. But like, I looked at the Arizona roster, the Coyotes roster, and the more I looked at it, the more I went like, I, like this is shocking. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't believe they've re- they, they're icing this lineup. Like, this is, they're, like, everyone is bad, like, mostly. Um, and yet, here they are, beating the Toronto Maple Leafs last night. Um, and how, like, just how bad could this team be? <laughs> Well, here's the thing, and we were talking about this last oh, night. Oh, yeah. And, Ryan's, uh, Ryan's catchphrase, baby. This was my catchphrase last night, is that players don't tank. Yes. It's like management can set a roster up to fail mm-hmm. in order to procure a great draft pick. And Toronto was a prime example, which 100%. landed them Austin Matthews. So worked out, all right. That worked out for them. Um but with Arizona, and, you know, I was in the Coyotes' room after the game, mm-hmm. and, you know, guys like Shane Gossesbar and Gossesbar, I don't know why I said bar, uh, and Kristen, Christian Fisher, guys that have been around the, the league for a few more years than, than some of the younger mm-hmm. guys, they were saying, like, look, like, you know, we don't care about outside expectations. You know, we hear what people say about our lineup. We hear the jokes about the arena. Uh, but we're here to give our best. We're here to win, you know? And, I mean, these are jobs. Yeah. Right. You got to play for your job, and whether these guys are playing for jobs in Arizona next year, or whether some of them might get traded to a mm-hmm. contender at the deadline, you never know. Players are going to do their best, and I was talking to Dylan Gunther. I'll, I'll probably have a blog on him later uh, in the week, and he was saying, you know, the team's philosophy is like, let's get one percent better every day. Mm-hmm. Let's continue to just progress and come together, and, and he's gotten a lot of great, um, you know, uh, mentorship from some of those older players, yes. like a Christian Fisher, and, 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 just, and just watching guys like, like Clayton Keller. Yeah. Just seeing what Clayton Keller can do offensively. So, you know, even the, even the worst teams in the NHL aren't going to lose every night. Uh, you know, it's not like the NFL when you can have a team go like 0-17 oh, or 1-15 yeah. you know, or 1-16 or, or whatever. You know, even bad teams are going to win some nights. And, and that's what happened in Toronto mm-hmm. is, you know, the Leafs did not play well early. They were playing way too cute. Arizona took advantage of its opportunities and they held on at the end. So, yeah, yeah players don't take. This is going to be a fascinating season for them. Totally. Because they really do have, like, this is the, the least amount of talent on the NHL roster. Like, if you look at, there might be teams that finish below them. But when it comes to actual, tangible, like, hockey talent, they have the least amount constructed. And yet, clearly, like you said, they believe in each other. And mm-hmm. there's a, there's a cha- there, there is a chip on their shoulder mentality of this team. And, like, it worked. Like, they really care. Like, it's, you know, it's game four into the season. And they were playing that game like it was game seven of the, the playoffs. Yeah. And Andre Tourney is a coach that players play for. Oh, Andre Tourney. Everything I just said, except for the Italian part of, of Don Granato. Right. That is Andre Turney. He's a great guy to talk to. He's yeah. a great, he's a, uh, like, uh, like, I can see why players want to put out for him, want to play for him. He's the perfect coach to be there for this Coyotes team at this stage of their, of their um, um, organizational, I guess, sort of, like, trajectory. Yeah. Because if you have any, if you have a lame duck in there, if you have anyone who's not a, a motivational cent- centrifugal force, really, yeah. um, 
that could be a disaster. And totally. yet you got this this fun, boisterous French guy coming out there. Yeah. Uh, you you want to run through a wall for him. Yeah. Um, all right. We talked about the Arizona Coyotes, all that. It's great. Let's let's do some mailbag. Let's, let's, do let's get into that. Um, we have some here from Jeff Mackey. Do you see a scenario? And this is mainly for Ryan because you're the prospect guy. Mm. Do you see a scenario where Connor Bedard and other prospects tell the Coyotes they don't want to be drafted by them? They pull Eli Manning. Right. So it's, it's a very interesting question. And it's funny because we see this at the junior level. We especially do? in the OHL. And it's never publicized, but we all know. And we saw Eric Lindros do it. Well, that's true, and Eric Lindros did do it. I don't see it happening with Arizona. We've, we've had situations in the past, and you know, talking to agents, they've said, like, ooh, I'm glad my player didn't go to market yes. X uh, you know, because they were flailing at the time. But, I mean, everything's cyclical. Markets turn it around. Oh, dude, yeah. And, you know, I mean, with Arizona, yeah, you know, they're going to be playing at Arizona State's arena for a couple of years. But, I mean, if the plan comes through and they get – that huge complex in, in Tempe that they want to put together, it's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the weather during the hockey season is amazing yes. in Arizona. Um, and like we said, you know, you're going to have a coach that you can play for in Andre Tourney that you'll be very excited to play for. Cool jerseys. Very cool jerseys. Uh, and, you know, and they're building something. And if you are, let's say, Connor Bernard, for example, like let's say Arizona does indeed get the number one pick, you have the chance to be one of the most significant players in that franchise's history. Yeah. Possibly, probably the most straight-up talented. Oh, absolutely. Right? Like, absolutely. you know, you, you think about guys like Keith Kachuk and, and Shane Doan, very talented, yeah, but, but also not, different not dimensions. Close. Yeah. Connor Bedard is the best prospect since Connor McDavid. Unless we're talking about, like, like a, a talent that is connected to the old Jets franchise, then maybe a Howard Chuck or Solani might be right, on that level. Right. But like, if you're on a level of that kind of talent, like yeah. you can surpass it. You know, it's you're right. Look, I think I've always found that the Coyotes could be if they got the business side of it right. Like if mm. they got the the actual like sort of boardroom. Yeah consistency in one place right they could be a very fun place to play because we know yeah. we all know that players love golf and and, totally. and arizona is like golf golf uh, uh golf heaven golf heaven i was gonna say golf course that's the word i was looking for <laughs> <laughs> um i was gonna, i was trying to say golf field i'm like that's not right no. uh, golf course central yeah. um but it's it, it reminds me and i know it's a bigger city but like it reminds me of how jr and i know this is a basketball reference but how jr smith uh, 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 talked about playing in Cleveland, where he, he's like, you know what? It's all ball there. It might not be. It might not be um, um, like New York. You might not be able to go to like a Broadway show every night or go to the club or all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But like, but you play in Cleveland, and there's a great thing about it is that it's all ball. That's all you're focused on. It's playing hockey, doing this, all that. It's fun. You get to. It, it's sort of a smallish town, but everyone cares about you. you get mm. to get to sort of like foster that really cool culture mentality in this small place. And Tempe's kind of like that. I feel like if they got the if if they got the the business uh, part of it right, they invested in that team. Yeah. that could be a very fun place to play. And they now have ownership that does indeed have deep pockets. Yes. and is very competitive. And they are going to need those deep pockets uh, to keep this team afloat. All right, yeah. the next one it's from RVDNSX. Very cool. That's what it said. Um, it's from it's from that person. Do the Rangers need Patrick Kane to contend for a cup this year? You know, it's funny, when I first read this question, I was like, nah. And then I looked at the lineup, I yeah. was like, you know what, though? I mean, if you're going to go over the top, like if you're going for the cup, yes. you know you're going to have to probably go through Carolina, oh, at least yeah. in your own division. But they already did that without him last year. They though. did, it's yeah. true, but Carolina got a lot better over the summer. That's true. 
you know what, like I'm looking at the right side right now mm -hmm. and it's like, yeah, I mean, they could because it would be great to overpower teams and have a guy like Patrick Kane who has won multiple cups already, who is still playing at a high level. Oh, he's incredible. Despite still. not having anything around him. Patrick Kane had 90 points last year. Totally wild. Um, but that's, that's how superstars age. They're different. Like Sidney Crosby is still on a tear this year. He was year. the first star of the week. First star of the week. Yep. Exactly. So, I mean, Patrick Kane, he's different. Uh, built different, as, they, as the kids built say. Built different. Now, can they make it work with the cap space they have? No. The big <laughs> salary he has, how much would Chicago have to eat cap-wise? And what would the Rangers have to surrender even though he'd be a rental? All big X-Factor questions. Obviously, this deal gets easier to make at the trade deadline because mm -hmm. all the salaries are prorated yes. at that time. But you have, if you're Chicago, you're sitting in a pretty nice spot where you're like, give us Keandre Miller. Yeah. You know? It's like, would the Rangers do no. that? No. But that's, that's what, you, you know, if I'm the GM in Chicago, that's oh, what I, I'm asking for more than I'm oh. entitled to because why not, right? So it's I'm Patrick Kane. I'm looking at the uh, like I'm looking at the assets that that the uh, that the Rangers have right now. Mm. They have two firsts. One's a conditional within the Niels Lungfist trade. Mm. That could have been an interesting chip to give uh, uh, if you held on to that. Yep. Um, th that that means they would have to give up Keandre Miller and probably like Capo Caco and extra stuff like. And and then and then also Kane's a free agent after the season. And yeah, also he's this, a rental. Yeah, this team so. has one hundred eighty-three thousand five hundred thirty-one dollars in cap space. Yeah, it's not enough. It's not enough. No. And so you look at that and you go, yeah. I mean, what you're talking about the right side, right, and how it needs to be improved. It can be improved if one of Blaze or Kako takes that next step. Mm -hmm. You know, these are two players. They're young. They can like they're they're still going to be able, and potentially even Lafreniere, depending on which which wing you you, you play them on, yeah. who could take that next step. Mm. Um, and I think I think look, I know that you got to go all out, but you also have like you have Adam Fox signed for like eight years. You know, you have Shesterkin signed um, um, until for the next two. Mm. Uh, uh, you know, for this year and the next two after that. You know, you have Panarin until twenty twenty six. You have Zibanejad until twenty twenty eight. You have you know you have all these guys that are locked up. Like I know that this is I know every year should be a win now year. Right. But I don't think that this year is as win now as maybe other teams. Mm -hmm. And then you go, okay, can we hope to can we hope to get can we hope to get this, uh, like, like this, what Patrick Kane might give us? It's not going to be the same, but can we hope to get that right side fortification by believing in two of our young guys yeah. that we, we put a lot of assets into, that we put a lot of resources in, and, and, and we're believing in. And we also then don't have to gut everything that we have. Because I don't think you're getting through Carolina if they, if they have a blue line that is minus Keandre Miller or minus, you know, or I don't think they're getting through Carolina if they, yes, they have Patrick Kane, but they have a lineup that is like minus Keandre Miller and minus Capo Caco, potentially mm -hmm. minus someone else, you know? Yeah. I mean, maybe the play is you wait and, you know, you see what happens this mm -hmm. year and then you say to Patrick Kane as a free agent, would you come for like a million dollars? It's the end of your career. And You've Patrick already made came, a bunch. And then Patrick Kane would go, no. Eh, probably. I don't want to because I'm Patrick Kane. You're like, it's Manhattan. If you win here, you will be a god forever. It's like I've already won in Chicago three times. It's true. Like, like you know, it's, so I get it, yeah. Um, all right, that's Mailbag. Let's get into rapid fire. Now, Ryan, you've traveled, especially for work purposes, I think a lot more than I have. Mm -hmm. um, so I wanted to focus mainly on this. All right. You know, we, we, we had a brief, uh, it was mainly Steven and I because you had, to, you had a family and people who love you and responsibilities. 
uh, so, you, so you weren't there for the whole time. But yeah. you know, we we had a lot of fun traveling in the Cup final. Yes. Um, so I want to want to get into some of your stories on that. Okay. What is the worst? So so this is a travel version of of, of Rapid Fire. Yes. Who is the who is the worst sort of plane passenger you've ever encountered? Where's plane? Like you like on a flight that you have been on. Who is is there is there a passenger on that flight uh, that whose whose like actions have just stood out to you? You know what? I mean, knocking on wood, I've been super lucky. Really? Where I think the worst I've had to deal with is like like crying babies. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like I've never had anybody like clip their toenails or okay, you know yell at a flight attendant or anything like that. I've actually been pretty solid where I don't think I've had any like major ones. See, with crying babies, you just turn around and you go, cut it out. That's right. And then they do. Knock it off. Um, for me, I think it was, there was, uh, I think when we were traveling, oh man, yeah. So with Steve and I were traveling at the end, there were, um, there was a family, I think it was our flight going, I think it was coming home even from the cup final. It was, it was we, we flew from Orlando to, um, where was our, Orlando to like Atlanta again maybe? I don't know, it was, it was, anyway, it was a short flight, like a very short flight. It was Atlanta to Miami actually, so it was a very, very, it was like a 40 minute flight, but we were on the plane for two hours before it took off. And it was this family of, I had to say like 20 people. And they all wanted to switch seats. Like they all wanted to, they, all of them, it was legitimately like 20 people and they all wanted to sit with different people than on their ticket. Um, and it was just a nightmare. And on top of that with the delay, it was, it was, it was hell. Like it, it was, it was brutal. I will say the funniest thing okay. I ever saw at an yeah. airport that, that reminded me, on my way to Russia for the World Juniors in 2012, mm -hmm. I was at, um, I can't even remember what airport it was. It was somewhere in Europe. It was like a connecting flight. Yeah. And um, just waiting, you know, there's still like whatever, a half hour or so until the flight boards. Uh, this young woman uh, comes like barreling into the sort of gate area and she's like clearly like panicked and she starts like banging on the glass to get into the gate. There's no, no one even there and she's kind of like swearing in Russian and she's just banging and then she kind of like pauses and looks at the clock and realizes that like, Oh, she no. still had like an hour before the flight actually took off. She thought she was missing her flight. She was actually early. That was just fun. I would, I would just go home. Like, like that, that would be so embarrassing that I would just leave and be like, I'm going to catch a flight the next day. I will drive. Um, yeah, or I will walk yeah. even. Uh, okay. The other one is what is the best, like what is the best, uh, it's a hard way to put this, but I, okay. I, I've been formulating this all morning. Okay. What is the most pleasant surprise meal you've had on the road? Like a, like a place where you've ducked in because it's like the place that's closest to you in a, in a foreign city. And then you're like, oh, wow, this is actually amazing. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's a very good question. Uh, let me see. This one's kind of low key, but I was in mm -hmm. Boston years ago and I didn't know anything about like Boston's Chinatown. Yeah. So I just kind of went into the first place. Mm. that I found. It was kind of like one of those like downstairs, like sort of half basement. That's, that's, those are always great. And I had incredible shrimp with lobster sauce. I was like, man, this is like awesome Chinatown food. It was, it was one of those things where it's like I had zero expectations yeah. and it was like they knocked it out of the park. One for me was, it was actually um, in, in Denver when we, when we landed. I, I remember talking about this for like the next three days because I was so excited about it. But like 
So I, I uh, like we get we get to Denver for the Cup final, and I think you two had to record this podcast. I wasn't on the podcast yet, uh -huh. and I'd already written like five articles that day. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna like roam around for a little bit, maybe like duck into duck into like a, a bar in downtown Denver, just like you know, just see what's going on. I ducked into this random bar. Like I literally just googled like sports bars near me, yeah. um, and this was the first one. Ducked into it, and uh, and and I I just I had I sat down and I, I ordered I had ordered two uh, uh, two Coors Lights. Um, and then uh, I think it was like another another drink, and then these tater tots with uh, with bacon and this this queso sauce on it, wow. and it blew my mind. And I'm going like, all right, you know, what's the, like in Toronto? This this is gonna be like 45 bucks, whatever. <laughs> the bill was brought to me is 15 dollars all told. Awesome. I I couldn't believe it. I had a 20 dollar tip. I had a 20 dollar bill on me, like American. I just put it in there. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna tip you like 25 percent or whatever, there like or 30 percent. I'm gonna be a big shot. This is great. Um, but yeah, that that was a uh, uh, like that was a great meal. It was totally unexpected. Like I didn't do any research, um, and it was just uh, like no one was in there, so I was just on my own enjoying uh, American Sports Center, which is my favorite. Stephen A. Smith is yelling about something or other. Beautiful. And uh, and it was great. All right, and I guess last one because I know we're running a bit out of time here. Um, what is the what is the best air like like airline or air or flight experience you've ever had just from like an amenities perspective have you ever because certain because certain airlines give you different things true what's the best one you've ever had okay i don't know if this counts because it wasn't hockey related it doesn't have to be hockey related oh, okay Any, okay anything. i flew to new zealand and australia uh, years ago and uh they had like in the sort of in-seat entertainment there was like like a remote control slash joystick, so they had Tetris. What? Yeah. Oh, I gotta go to Australia now just for the video games yeah. on the flight. Yeah, it might have been. I think it was Air New Zealand. That is yeah. awesome. Yeah, so that's I'm awesome. That. Uh, mine was was going to Iceland. Um, so nice. I actually never like set foot outside the Iceland airport. It was uh, in grade 12. The only time I've ever been outside North America, actually, uh, was uh, for a grade 12 um, exchange trip to Denmark. But we had a connecting flight in Iceland. Mm. So we flew Iceland Air for that first uh, flight out of, out of um, Toronto. Goodness gracious, they, they treat you better on, on Iceland Air. Like, this is, it's this a is, good airline. Like, it's, it's, yeah. this is, we're in coach, obviously. This is like a high school. They have, like, they have like glacier water they bring you. You know, they give you a little pillow. Yeah. All the stewardesses and, and, and flight attendants are so friendly to you. They have a million movies you can watch. It's it was lovely, you know, like and, and now being on having lived through the, the the torture of the American Airlines and the uh, uh, you know, and it wasn't even not WestJet, but it was another one, Spirit or whatever, like it's like man, just go to go to Iceland just for the flight. It's lovely. And hey, just go to Iceland. Just go to Iceland. It's beautiful. There. I will say though, you, you land in Iceland, the sulfur smell it hits you real fast. Yeah. You're like, yeah. But that's you, the hot springs. But it's the hot springs. You get used to it. It's amazing. Yeah, um, so yeah, that, those are our travel recommendations. This has been a lovely episode of the Hockey News Podcast, Ryan. Uh, you know, first week of the season. Who knows? Maybe with some of these coaches that we've been talking about, they won't be around by the time we record next week. We'll have to see. We're never rooting for anyone to lose their job, though, Indeed. obviously. Um, I'm Mike Stevens. This is Ryan Kennedy. Tune in next week where we talk about probably hockey. It'll be okay. great. Stay tuned.